You're listening to Diffuse Launch with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we'll be discussing our index fund, Diffuse Digital 30, which we're aiming to list on the NASDAQ OTCQX as soon as June 2022. We've just kicked off a private raise with bonus economics for qualified purchasers, and this is your chance to learn more about it. Enjoy. So yeah, welcome. We're going to be discussing the Diffuse Digital 30, which is our index fund, which we are hoping to list on the NASDAQ OTCQX this year. So we're going to give you a little bit more detail about what that's all about. Um, some legal notices for you. Please read right there. And agenda, we're going to networking. You've already done it. Congratulations. You're already through the first item. We're going to ever so briefly run through here and explain the Diffuse Digital 30. And then we're going to do a live Q&A where Mr. Dave McClure, who many of you know, is the moderator and will be grilling us with his own questions and then also be taking some from the chat. So this is your opportunity to learn really whatever you want to learn. Um, Briefly, what is Diffuse? Diffuse is an alternative investment fund platform. So we find high alpha, more esoteric investment strategies and we turn them into funds. We've got a couple of DeFi funds, and then we have Diffuse Digital 30, which we're talking about here, that are all in the digital asset slash cryptocurrency space. Diffuse team is, this is a very select group of, of the people that are on the team. Myself, um, high frequency trader, long time, spun up a lot of funds over the years. Ila COO is doing marketing operations commercialization. Ren is our senior trader. Um, Dennis Trakazian, many of you will know, is, is our is our uh, actually on our advisory board and will be uh, most likely on the board of the the DD30. And then we have two um, really great technologists, in Eric Long and Jen Jorgensen, who are helping making sure that all of the rebalance and trading is streamlined as much as humanly possible. And then we have a lot of other people behind them. So briefly, if y'all are don't know, there's a lot of a lots changed on this chart since we put it together. But you know, five years ago, uh, the entire story of cryptocurrency was Bitcoin and Ethereum. Three years ago, even, and now you're seeing this mass proliferation of alternative chains: Avalanche, Solana, Terra. Like, there's all of these names that you probably have heard that are effectively eking away or chipping away at the market share of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And with the rise of DeFi and similar items to that, decentralized finance, you're starting to see these new chains generating what looks a little bit like revenue. So it's a it's a new thing if you haven't been following the crypto space, but you know our general take is Bitcoin and Ethereum are over time becoming less and less of the story. And we kind of expect that trend to continue, if not accelerate in the next in the next year or two. Now, the issue is that most of the big public funds, like a GBTC or a Bitwise, they're really limited in their exposure. Um, GBTC is kind of the 800-pound grill. That's one asset. So, And they don't have a redemption mechanism. They don't have an arbitrage mechanism, which is why, if you guys have been following the news, um, Grayscale's GBTC, they're trading at an all-time high discount of 30% as of, I think, yesterday to their book value, meaning the secondary price is 30% lower than just the Bitcoin that they're sitting on in their balance sheet. So that's um, not exactly the most exciting of prospects for more institutional, sophisticated investors. So that's where Diffuse Digital 30 comes in. It's institutional grade asset selection, product design and infrastructure. So this is the top 30 coins. It's market cap weighted. We carefully thought through our structure so that hopefully we will have, you know, if and when we list, 
we will have something that resembles a redemption mechanism to make sure that we don't suffer from those discounts to book value that some of the incumbents do. And then obviously we're using top tier service providers like these folks here. Um, a lot of these names you will know, but these are all pretty well-respected names in the game. And we are trying to make this as institutional grade and scalable as humanly possible. So the scaling plan, we launched this uh, back in June of last year, just did a small raise to get a 12 month clock listing, which is required before you can list anything. We did give some profit share out to that. Um, where we are now is we're doing a qualified purchaser only fundraise of 30 million, where we're giving away more profit share to the participants there um, with a target closing of March 1st. And then the next phase is our listing um, hopeful listing on the NASDAQ OTCQX. Um, conceivably, we could do that as soon as June, which would really kind of drive up our AUM as well as uh, just kind of our, our presence in the market, which makes that advisor profit share pretty profitable. So the process itself, like we said, we started in June, um, wait a year. We spent a lot of time working on structuring, found a very creative structure. We've uh, had lawyers looking into case, case uh, you know, historical precedent to find support for our positioning and why we think we're going to be able to do some redemptions um, when we're listed that most of the incumbents can't do. So um, assuming that all goes to plan, we'll be listing on the NASDAQ um, in Q2 uh, and we'll have a redemption mechanism, which we think is going to set us apart from the crowd. So we'll be 30 coins instead of one, hopefully with the redemption mechanism, relatively low fees, basically market, plus we can do staking and lending to help overcome our tracking error. Um, pro forma returns, as we said, the, the big thing for the current raise is for qualified purchasers, meaning 5 million or more. Um, and the we're giving away up to a 10% profit share in the advisor, which is where all of our fees go. So the pitch is for QPs that are interested in this, they can come in, there's only a 12 month lockup. After 12 months, you can sell your, um, your holdings. We're not spending it, we're just investing it in the index. And then once you sell it, you get basically your money back plus or minus whatever crypto exposure there was and a little bit of management fee for the year. And in exchange, you get that 10% profit share um, or up to 10% profit share, which creates an annuity for you. Um, if you look there in the scenarios, uh, you know, scenario three, if we're doing 20% a month growth, that gets us to 7 billion AUM by the end of 2024. Um, it's about two year time for perspective, grayscale. Last I looked and it's down a little bit more was about 30 billion for just their one BTC product. So this is a pretty cost-effective way to get exposure to that, to that profit share, that annuity stream um, in perpetuity for the lifetime of the fund. Terms, qualified purchasers only, minimum investment of million, 2% management fee on that, which obviously goes to the advisor. Um, and then we do it like a BlackRock does with their ETFs, where we do a revenue share on any interest that we're able to generate by conservatively lending out our assets. Um, that is, uh, we're not charging for beta though. This is a, beta, a passive vehicle. And then uh, we, you know, that's a one and done. So the 2% fees and the, the 20% rev share, um, that goes to the advisor and the advisor pays the fund services. So the index cost itself is kind of all baked into one, um, largely all baked into one, 12 month lockup. We already mentioned the 10% profit share and we're targeting a March one close. All right, that is me done with my slides. So over to you, Mr. Dave McClure, and you are muted in case that was not abundantly clear. 
uh, probably less annoying when I'm muted. Uh, hi, folks. <laughs> I'll be uh, trying to do a brief uh, moderation on herds and cats here in this discussion. And uh, full disclosure, I, I'm an investor in Diffuse and uh, have at least uh, feel like Ken and Ayla can help uh, me navigate crypto and whatever Web3 means. Uh, but I'll try and be asking questions on behalf of the group. If you have some comments and questions, want to throw them in the chat, I'll try and keep an eye on them there. And uh, my background and info is also there. Um, so let's go ahead and jump in. Um, I guess very briefly, I've been an engineer, an entrepreneur, and venture capitalist. I'm now a recovering venture capitalist. Uh, I buy secondary stakes in small funds that are doing well. Uh, and occasionally we do LP commitments in some funds and, and direct investments in some companies. Uh, as much as I've been in the Valley for the last 20, 30 years, and I consider myself a technologist, I'm still regularly confused by crypto, Web3, all these uh, cool, sexy things called NFTs, which seem to be skyrocketing in value and then crashing in value. I'm not quite sure why I would do those investments, but I have given some money to Ken and Ayla to help, help guide me in this. Uh, I'm going to try and ask them some questions about what DD30 is all about. Um, so maybe to get started, uh, how is uh, DD30 or Diffuse different from me just buying, uh, let's say, Bitcoin or Ethereum on Coinbase? How is it different from maybe me putting money with other folks like Grayscale uh, that are managing uh, crypto? Yeah, totally. It's, it's a good question. Um, the, the, the big thing is, is ease of life. Um, so with us, with our index fund, right, you want exposure to crypto, you want intelligent exposure to crypto, it's the one-stop shop, ideally, where you can just get that direct exposure. Um, a lot of the incumbents, some of them you mentioned there, they suffer from, and I, I briefly touched on in the slides, um, some pretty severe um, dislocations between the secondary trading price on like the OTCQX and their book value. Um, uh, Grayscale, for as an example, and I, I don't mean to pick on pick on Grayscale because they were the first movers. They really did a lot for the industry in raising awareness. So I'm not 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 trying to cast stones, but you know, a year and a half ago, um, Grayscale's product GBTC was trading at like a 30% premium to book value, which means for every buck of Bitcoin they had on the balance sheet, it was trading at a buck thirty. Um, at the moment, it's about a 30% discount. So it was a premium before, now it's a discount. So if you're a more institutional or sophisticated investor looking for exposure to crypto overall, um, that is really a big turnoff um, because that you don't really have a lot, that 60% move relative to book value has a lot to do with the whims of the crowd um, versus the actual exposure. So what we spent a lot of time on was trying to find a creative structure that would allow us to not suffer that so that the investors can get just a pure exposure to the overall market, not just one asset or two assets, um, which we think is going to become more and more of a big deal. And the other thing is we're baking into it or we're aiming to bake into it that we can actually lend out our assets similar to prime lending for ETFs, which helps overcome any tracking error, or any fee drag from us actually managing it. So ease of life, it's simpler. It gets you the overall market exposure without some of the structuring or hopefully without some of the structuring artifacts that the incumbents have. Okay. So I guess, you know, again, not necessarily crypto expert here. I'm going to ask some dumb questions. You can uh, tell me they're dumb or you can try and answer them. Um, you know, I've, I've bought Bitcoin and Ethereum on Coinbase, even a little bit of Solana, but there my knowledge sort of trails off pretty significantly. How did you guys come up with making the decision for what stuff to include in DD30? You know, what, what additional 28 altcoins or other strategies are you including and why not 100? Why not 10? 
So we, when we did the analysis originally, we looked back historically uh, and looked at where we were in terms of market share and the size of the coins. So when we, when we chose 30, that, that actually was pretty close to a billion in market capitalization for the smallest coin. So that's pretty significant and will allow us to actually <coughs> buy into it without like destroying the market one way or the other when we do a rebalance. Um, and then, you know, the fortunately or unfortunately, um, Bitcoin and Ethereum are still like 70% of the index at the moment. Right. That's what so I was going to say. Right. So you have, you know, those are representing the top 70%. Then you have a long tail of 30%. That's another 25, uh, 28 you know, sort of altcoins. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, and that's the ideal index, what we can actually custody. Because again, we only use qualified custodians and bank trust. It's a little bit less than 30, but because, but that's improving every time we add a new custodian and it just as we get, get uh, larger and more scale. Great. You said something about staking and lending. I understand a little bit of that, but maybe could you explain how you provide access to that to your investors? Yep. There's any number of ways that we can go about that. Um, the simplest is just lending conservatively our assets to big players. Um, as an example, right now with the fund, in, it's small still. So a lot of this kind of the, the more sophisticated infrastructure, we haven't had a need to spin out, but we're doing like about 50% loan to value loans to third parties like a, like a Falcon X who are very, very large, um, have enormous balance sheets and can pay us some relatively conservative interest for lending out those assets. They then turn around and I'm sure are lending it on the back conservatively to prop traders and people like that. So we're able to do that to generate yield above and beyond just the pure beta tracking feature of the fund. And it's our understanding that at least in the US providers that, that nobody else is structured to be able to do that. Maybe a little bit more detail on why you guys versus other folks who do similar structures. I guess the, the big gorilla out there is probably Grayscale, but are there mm -hmm. others? And what do you think are differences or advantages that you guys bring that they don't? Uh, yeah, Grayscale and um, Bitwise are probably the two biggest in the U.S. Um, the, the one thing we are not, and this is a question from Pat Dowry, we're not an ETF. So the nice thing about an ETF is that there's tax advantages. So we're going to have 30 assets we're rebalancing it once a month. So our weightings will change, kind of like the S&P 500 does it quarterly. That creates long-term or short-term cap gains. So it is tax leakage is the term um, until there's a spot ETF that's approved, that's not gonna go away. So um, outside of the US, there are some ETFs that have been approved, Bitcoin and Ethereum in particular, but they're not US-based. So in the US with us, we're trying to get as close as we can without actually being an ETF while still being fully compliant. So there's a question in the chat about jurisdiction. The jurisdiction is U.S. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Right. We're Delaware LP. We're going to be uh, ideal, hopefully listing on the NASDAQ OTCQX. And as such, we will, um, at least for now, and maybe down the road, we'll change that. It means that we're not going to be able to do a lot of like, you know, offshore derivative trading and things like that. And certain items like Ripple probably isn't going to be in there anytime soon or Monero um, because we are going to do everything by the book when it comes to regulation. Okay. Uh, you mentioned something about ETFs. Could you maybe explain a little bit more there? What's, you know, why is there no ETF yet? What are the futures for ETF? And uh, I guess any more technical sort of stories there? Understandably, the SEC is concerned about this space. Um, it is new, especially if you get off Bitcoin and Ethereum. It's new and it feels a little bit like the Wild West, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, exactly. Right. Cowboys all over there, scams up the wazoo. And like you get the Dogecoins of world who will be in our index. And that was another question to pick up from the chat. We're doing this pure 
formulaic. I went to Booth, at, you know, in a former life, and Eugene Fama won uh, Nobel Prizes, proving like, yeah, cap M, you just do a market cap weighted index, and you're probably going to do pretty dang well in the long term and outperform most active managers. Um, so that's kind of where we are. But the ETF environment in the US, there's only been uh, one, I believe, I haven't checked in a couple of weeks, um, ETF approved, and that wasn't a spot, it was a future Bitcoin ETF. So we're pretty far away from the SEC getting comfortable enough with this space to approve a you know proper deep liquidity, like something we're doing 30 or so coins, um, ETF with the tax advantages therein. Okay. And sorry, I think you mentioned this before, but just to catch up, you're doing strictly a market-weighted approach to the top 30 assets and any ads or deletions there for specific reasons? Um, the only, so the index is the top 30 um, market cap weighted excluding wrapped coins and stable coins. Stable coins, if the price is moving, something probably went wrong. Um, and uh, wrapped coins are kind of double coining, like wrapped Bitcoin is going to double coin double count Bitcoin. So we take those out so we don't overweight um, silly things or things that don't move. Um, that's the index that we'll be tracking against. Now, the fund itself, there's some real world implications of, hey, if there's not a qualified custodian, as defined by the SEC, and we're taking the conservative approach, that means they have to be able to hold the asset under a bank trust license. That's the wrong terminology, but close enough. Um, so I think right now, we're only actually able to hold about 20 but that's like 95% of the index because it's so heavily weighted. And as we roll on more custodians, that will just get better and better and better over time. Okay. All right. So big elephant in the room. Uh, something's been happening in crypto over the last, uh, I don't know, week to 30 days. Oh, yeah. It's been dropping like a fucking rock. Uh, <laughs> that's the technical term. So um, it would be great to hear about like what your returns have been over the last six to 12 months. But maybe as important or more important is what the hell is happening to crypto and what are your sort of takes on where the next three, six, 12 months go? Yep. Uh, we haven't updated this, the, the return slide for the new one. This product, we're not we're not making claims about where crypto is going to go in the future. What? Like, Come I on. Know, right? Yeah. I want a guaranteed 7% plus all the upside. <laughs> exactly. Right. So that's not us. I don't know what it is, but what I will argue is that for sophisticated institutional investors, most of them do some portfolio allocation that looks a little like a cap in model. And there they have a concept called the efficient frontier. Um, I think it would be very difficult for any sophisticated investor to argue that crypto is not on the efficient frontier. Now, and that's just because it's done so well. I think we're past the point of no return where it's not going away. If anything, I would say that in the long term, it's highly unlike it's, it's highly likely that most of the financial system will be replaced with some form of digital asset. Even if it's just a digitized dollar, it's still going to be a digital asset and there's going to be all sorts of infrastructure built out around it. Um, that's my personal opinion. I could be wrong. But regardless, if you believe as an allocator that this is on the efficient frontier, then some percentage of your portfolio needs to be invested in there. It might be 50 bips, right? Depending on what your assumptions are around it. But you currently don't have a great way for institutions to get exposure to crypto. Because there's the discounts and premiums, like we've talked about quite a bit, which we're hopeful we found a structure that help get around or to help solve for. Um, outside of that, it's kind of self-indexing, but then that typically requires some institution to go out and have a wallet, right? And, and invest it in key management. And there's like this whole other process 
Whereas G willikers, wouldn't it be great if there was just one thing we could go buy, get the exposure and not have to think about it again. And that's what we tried to deliver or are trying to deliver. Well, I will say congratulations on some great timing to buy the dip now that there you go. I've hit the bottom. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure that uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and Jamie Dimon are going to be your initial customers, but maybe some of the rest of us. Um, could you maybe talk a little bit about what the requirements are to participate? And I'm assuming most folks here know what a qualified purchaser is, but maybe talk about that just briefly. And, you know, how, how do I go through the process of participating if I'm interested? Well, first off, be business. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, <laughs> right now it is the and part of we are, um, and I'll be candid with this, right? We're out ahead of the puck on a lot of things. We are doing something pretty de novo here. It's a pretty creative structure. And there's no certainty that this is going to work the way we think we will. We have had done a lot of legal research to support our positioning, but nothing is set in stone. So things, a lot of this is still, we're working through the details. As of right now, we're only open to qualified purchasers. What that means is a net worth of more than $5 million. Um, So it's an entity so or an individual. Not a typical accredited investor bar, but actually a higher bar. Yeah, there's an open debate working through with the lawyers right now to see if actually we can kind of reclassify some stuff to that later. But right now it is just QPs. Now, when we get closer to the raise, it's our understanding, and again, all of this is a little bit on the fly, that we'll do a more open raise um, as part of the process of actually listing on the NASDAQ OTCQX. Um, it's our understanding as of today that once we're listed, that will be full retail, um, can invest in that. But for the moment, all you special rich people who are QPs get in ahead of the rest of the uh, unwashed masses. So Yeah. And if we can get it to line up properly, (laughs) we'll do another raise for accredited or potentially um, put them in at closer to the date. We'll probably still offer some profit share, but it'd be a little bit less. Great. Now we're getting close to the end. So maybe we can take some audience questions or any notable things that are in the chat. I've been trying to keep an eye on that. Maybe Ayla has some specific things that I've overlooked as well. Yeah. Um, will we hedge? Yes or no? Any other positions that we have? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, negative Ghost Rider. Um, this is a beta exposure. You want the exposure? Here's the exposure. Um, if we hedge, it probably wouldn't be the exposure. That's more of an actively managed fund. Um, same way that conceptually it doesn't make any sense for SPY, which is the ETF tracking the S&P 500. Again, not an ETF, right? Um, but the SPY, they don't hedge, right? They just give you the S&P 500 and you can work that into your overall portfolio. Uh, maybe a little bit on how does the profit share work? I'm not sure we covered that. Yep. So the there's two fee streams, potentially three, that are generated by the fund. The first is there's just a flat 2% management fee we talked about. The second is any interest that we're able to generate or staking um, revenue that we're able to generate. We do an 80-20 rev share on that. Same thing BlackRock does with the prime lending for the ETFs. So that 20, that goes to us, 80% goes to the LP, by the way. Um, the 20% goes to the advisor. And then the other one, and this is more hopeful than we haven't even baked it into the model, is that the, uh, the index itself could become valuable. If we get enough AUM, people start referencing it, um, we, own the, we will own or we aim to own the license to that. So that could be a potential revenue stream. So the pitch is, hey, if you invest now, you're only locked up for a year, after which you can sell in full. Um, we're not spending your money. It's just sitting in an index. So you're going to have crypto exposure, which you can hedge if you were so inclined um, pretty easily. Uh, Perps are actually uh, short or paying shorts at the moment. And uh, after 12 months, you can take your money back out. So you're really only out the beta movement up or down, which is hopefully up at this point, because uh, like somebody said in the, trial, in the, the chat there, 
Uh, I mean, we might be at a bottom, who knows? We're not going to predict the market. Um, but the key thing is you will get that profit share from those fee streams in perpetuity. So it creates a nice annuity for you for as long as we're doing this fund, which hopefully is a very long time. Great. I think we're almost at the end, but if I want to learn more, if I want to jump in, where do I go? Any links in the chat or things to get started? Yep, absolutely. Um, the website's a good place. Um, email us at contact at diffusefunds.com is a pretty pretty good shout. Um, we're a 506 so we're actually pretty able to get a, get, put a fair amount of stuff on there. Um, and then um, trying to see a couple of like logistical items that the wall is asking two percent fee. Um, it's paid quarterly, um, but it's not a performance fee, so it's not like there's going to be drawdowns or anything like that. Um, yeah, and I think that. And then right now we're just lending at I think, uh, I think we're getting like three and a half four percent. It's nothing crazy, but it's still we're not charging that much in the fees, so it goes a long way to defraying that. All right, I guess we rang the bell there. Uh, Look at you. <laughs> I'm way more on time with you than I am with uh, my wife and kids. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Or library books. Yeah. Um, thanks or for giving me a chance books. to uh, moderate again for everybody else in this chat. My money is with uh, Ken and Ayla as well. So like I'm all in on this too. Thank you everybody okay. for taking the time and uh, for the second pseudo diffuse tap and Dave really appreciate you uh, uh, being the MC here. You bet. That's my last Thanks name. So See you guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to Diffuse Tap with Isla Krem and Kenny Estes. If you enjoyed these conversations, join us for the live version every Wednesday-ish at 10 a.m. Central. In addition to the fireside chat, the live event features three rounds of networking in small groups with alternative fund GPs, LPs, and supporters from around the world. Log on to www.diffusefunds.com to register yourself now.